I know it's easier said than done, but don't worry about looking foolish. Don't worry about who will be talking trash about you. Remember that this is your life to live the way you want, and anyone who has anything negative to say is a jerk. And they should be worried about their own personal growth instead. Welcome to Power Up Your Performance, where we talk about how you can learn to think, feel, perform, and live like a champion. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm Kim Peek. I am a movement and mindset strategist. I primarily work with women over 40 who want to improve their running or their fitness in some way. I'm also a functional aging specialist, breast cancer exercise specialist, and a USA triathlon and USA track and field coach. My passion is getting people to move better. I recently launched the Queen of Hearts Crusade. It's a four-week program during this month of love. Over the four weeks, we will talk about how to love yourself more. We'll also talk about the importance of connection and curiosity, self-awareness, how to reconnect with ourselves, and how to address that inner dialogue that isn't always the most helpful. Why is it that we can be so unforgiving when it comes to the way we talk to ourselves? We say things to ourselves that we wouldn't say to anyone else. And in this four-week program, we are going to work on upgrading the way we talk to ourselves. Plus, there's also four weeks worth of bodyweight workouts that you can do from home or on the road or in your office. Super easy to execute wherever you are. And because I really want you all to jump in and do this work, I'm offering the entire month of content plus some huge bonuses all for just $7. You can check it out by going to crushingmygoals.com and clicking on the programs link at the top of the page. This week, I want to talk about mindset shifts that will help you rise. There are so many things that we resist or that we accept to be true just because these things have always been done a certain way. So today I want to challenge some of those thoughts and see what you think about these things. Maybe you don't agree with anything I'm saying, and I would love to know that too. But I'm going to give you a few things where I think that a lot of us could improve our lives if we would just shift our mindsets in these areas. So the first one. You don't have to accept feeling old and achy. It makes me so sad to see people just give up and accept what their doctors or society tells them about their health or fitness. I think we all need to change our mentality on what it means to get older. Aging doesn't mean that we have to slow down and start sitting on the sidelines. One of the biggest mistakes I see people make as they start hitting 40 and above is that they just give up too quickly. They wake up one day and they realize that they've gained a little bit of pudge around the middle and maybe their knees and ankles are a little bit more creaky than they once were. And they go to a doctor who kind of shrugs it off and tells them that this is just a normal part of aging and they accept that doctor's word as gospel. So now they have a doctor-approved excuse to be less active that they repeat over and over again. They tell themselves this story enough times that they believe that the doctor said that it's okay not to do X, Y, or Z because 
their ankles are bad or their knees are bad. And the problem with this is that inactivity breeds inactivity. The more we sit, the harder moving gets. People, of course, absolutely need to listen to their doctors, but they also need to know that many conditions can be reversed. With proper nutrition, hydration, sleep, exercise, we can improve our fitness. And we can even sometimes move better and perform better than we did in our younger years. You've all seen examples on Facebook of the videos of senior athletes or people in their 70s who are still running marathons. And I've done podcasts on all of these topics in the past talking about proper nutrition and hydration and sleep and how they play into healthy aging and also how they play into our performance as athletes. And what I want you to understand is that if you want to perform better and feel better, then you need to be smart about how you train and how you move. And that means you need to pay attention to things that go beyond exercise. You need exercise But these other things are important too. One of my best stories on this topic really goes back to when I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Nobody told me while to work out, or nobody told me to work out while I was going through treatment. And I really don't think anybody would have encouraged me to exercise. Exercise just usually isn't the first thing recommended when you're tired and in pain which is how chemo makes you feel. And when you're going through such a major life event, people feel sorry for you and they they just, they want to throw drugs at you and whatever just to get you so that you're not feeling pain. And anytime I talked about running, the entire medical team always seemed shocked that I was able to continue running as I went through chemo. And I've told this before, but some days I was able to run more than others, but it always, always listened to my body and only did what my body felt up to on a particular day. But I also knew that running made me feel better and that moving made me feel better. And I really, really wish that more people understood this. Moving makes us feel better. On days when my body hurt so much that I didn't want to get off the couch, I had a short yoga video that I would do multiple times a day so that I could feel well enough to just walk across the room. And because I learned that it truly did help, it became something that I still use now when I have joint and muscle pain that is caused by that hormone blocker that I have to take to prevent the chance of breast cancer recurrence. Anytime that pain gets mad, gets bad, I know that I can get up and move and do a few yoga stretches and that the pain in my body will, if not go away, it'll at least be less noticeable. And I also know that by doing this short series of exercises that I can get my body moving in a way that allows me to do the things that I love. So my my ankles hurt, my feet hurt, and that means if I would go out and try to run, I would be exceptionally slow, but I would also probably cause injuries in myself because I don't have the proper range of motion or I might be holding my body a certain way that would keep me from running smoothly. But I know that if I do those exercises ahead of time, that it's going to loosen my body up enough so that I can run without pain. So we need to embrace the concept of active aging, moving every day in some form, whether that's working on strength and mobility or walking or running or 
doing yoga or the elliptical or rowing, whatever it is, your body doesn't have to fall apart just because your birthday cake has 40 candles on it or more candles on it. You might just need to approach your fitness differently and train smarter. But also, I want you to understand that you should never, ever believe that you must live a sedentary life or live with pain. And if you have a doctor who's just shrugging that off and telling you that that's how life is going to be, you need to look for somebody else who wants to be creative and help you find ways to live your best life. Now, in the spirit of getting people to move more, this next mindset shift is about the length our workouts need to be. Only one quarter of the people in the United States get the amount of weekly exercise recommended by the Center for Disease Control, the CDC. People should engage, they say, in moderate intensity aerobic physical activity for at least 150 minutes a week or vigorous intensity aerobic physical activity for at least 75 minutes a week or any combination of the two. So if you do the math, that's 30 minutes five times a week. Or you could split that up over even seven days, depending on what you're doing. But it doesn't need to be 30 minutes all at once. They are just saying that you need to get out and move 30 minutes on average five days a week. And that means that you can split it up into 10-minute increments or five-minute increments or even shorter than that. So consider this. We all have days that go off the rails and despite our best intentions, we can't get in a full workout, even if it's one that we've planned and we're really good at planning. On those days, I like to encourage people to have a collection of what I've called one-minute workouts. I have a whole collection of them on my Instagram account, which is Power of Run. If you're on Instagram, go follow me over there. Anyway, these are workouts that can fit into small chunks of time. It could be a short movement routine that you do at your desk or something you do while you do dishes or while you brush your teeth. But it keeps you in the habit of moving and helps reinforce that commitment that you've made to yourself. So even on a day when your life has gone crazy, you can still feel good knowing that you're going to work in even if it's just one minute of squats or one minute of lunges right before you go to bed. You won't feel like you failed because you've still made yourself and your health a priority. Because movement is so powerful, I am also an advocate of taking short movement breaks once an hour throughout the workday. So if you sit at a desk, this is super important because your body gets tight, your hip flexors shorten, your shoulders start rounding, your neck starts hurting. It's just important to get up and move throughout the workday. Exercise is not just something we do to look good. It also helps us concentrate and be more productive. And so if you're at work, this should be something that your employer is supportive of because they want people who are engaged, not just there going through the motions, but people who are actually there because they like what they do. And we all know about endorphins and how they make us happy. And hopefully by now you've also... You also understand that exercise helps you focus and concentrate and even learn better. So these are all important things to do, even at work. You can do things at work like stretches at your desk. You can take phone calls standing up. 
and you could take walking meetings. And of course, I am still really excited about this concept that I brought up a couple weeks ago called adult recess. And I still just think, how awesome would it be if everyone in all offices took time each day, maybe at lunch, to go outside and play? Can you just picture people outside playing volleyball or riding scooters, jump roping, playing a kickball or kicking a soccer ball around, throwing the football around? The energy and overall happiness in that building when people went back inside would be incredible for the entire afternoon and people would be so much more productive. And I really think that this is a great mind shift, mindset shift that should happen in the business world because it would be good for the employees and it would also benefit the bottom line. Now here's a mindset shift that you probably didn't see coming from me. I would like you to think, about high-heeled shoes and pointy-toed shoes. They should not be worn on a regular basis. There's an Instagram account I love to follow. It's called The Foot Collective. Go over to Instagram and find them. They always have great content that is thought-provoking about foot care. They recently had a post with an image that showed men's and women's dress shoes up on top And then under that pair of shoes, there was another picture of women's flats and a men's shoe that had a wider toe box. And their idea was that you should only wear fancy shoes for a special occasion or a fancy meeting. So those pointy-toed shoes, your high-heeled shoes for special occasions or that big important meeting where you need to have people look at you like you're dressed professionally. And that the rest of the day, you should wear comfortable clothes or shoes. You should always wear comfortable clothes, right? Comfortable shoes um, or don't wear any at all. And that will allow you to move your feet, spread your toes, and do some foot exercises under your desk maybe. One of the best things you can do to address foot pain is to spend time daily without your shoes on. So when you go home, go barefoot. When your feet get cold or if your feet get cold, add some socks. But try to walk around without your shoes because it helps you strengthen the muscles in your feet. And especially if you're a runner, it is important for your feet to be strong, for you to have good balance, and for your big toe to be able to move through that range of motion. And spending your day in tight shoes that squeeze your big and little toes in toward the center does not help you in your running because your toe gets used to being in when it is designed, it's built for, you're supposed to have a big toe that spreads out and helps your balance. So at work, you could have a ball under your desk and slip your shoes off and roll your arches. You could practice exercises that strengthen your feet and train your feet to be strong. And if you have orthotics in your shoes, Here's something else to consider. There is a time for orthotics, and the time for orthotics is when you have an injury or when you have something where your foot is not behaving properly, where your foot is extra weak maybe. And what you need to remember is that the orthotic is a Band-Aid. It should be temporary. Ideally, you will want to work with a professional who will help you strengthen your feet and your ankles. And maybe work on mobility so that you can address the root cause of whatever issue it is that the doctor prescribed the orthotics for in the first place. 
just my little two cents on footwear because your feet are so important. And I think that we forget about how important our foot is to balance, to running, to being stable when we land, when we run. If your foot has to take the time to balance and you start to wobble, that is a breaking force when you're running. So you want strong feet and you want good balance so that your foot isn't having to waste all that time in that jittery movement where you're trying to catch your balance and it will speed you up in your running. Just some food for thought about feet. My next mindset shift of the day. Journaling is not just for teenagers and scrapbookers. The thing I think that is missing from most fitness plans, most running plans, most nutrition plans is a journaling component. Now, I'm not talking about your old dear diary of your youth, and I'm not talking about simply logging in activity, and I'm not talking about any kind of a scrapbooking thing that you do. All of those things are wonderful, but that's not what I'm talking about right now. People who take the time to write and reflect each day are more likely to stick with their new fitness habit. They see how their goals relate to how they're feeling, and they see those goals right there in black and white each day. The goals are visible, and so they're not forgotten. And when you take time to write down how you feel after each workout, you can start to see patterns emerge. Maybe you can start to see mental changes that are taking place. Maybe you realize that you're starting to enjoy exercising or that you're able to identify what you're doing well. And maybe you begin to see an association between exercising and feeling better. On the flip side, maybe you are able to see a negative thought plan pattern that's emerging and that is starting to hinder your success. Your success. If you say that you hate exercising each time you go in and log a workout, then it's time to do some deeper mindset work and really explore why do you hate exercising? Why do you hate running hills? Why do you hate strength work? What is the reason behind that? And keep asking yourself why until you can get to that. Because we've gone over a couple of these mindset shifts now and Some of these things you know are important to your success as a person and also as an athlete. So if you have negative thoughts that you're struggling with related to any of these things, I would encourage you to journal so that you can really start to get behind why you think those things. Because once you're aware of those things, that will allow you to go do the work that you need so that this is not your big stumbling block. I ask all of my running clients to keep a journal, and then I give them prompts to reflect on each week. And one of the most beautiful things about this is that they are able to go back and read the notes they've left themselves. They see that they can do hard things. They see that those hard things made them feel proud, and they have a record of all their training and all the mindset work that they have done. And that empowers them to keep plugging away when training gets tough. When race day gets near, they and they're feeling unsure of themselves or insecure, they're able to go flip through that journal and use that as their own highlight reel to remind them that they have done the work and that they are ready to soar. You know how we talk about on Instagram that don't compare somebody's highlight reel, meaning the, the 
great parts of their life that they show on Instagram to your everyday life because nobody ever wants to post the negatives on Instagram, right? It's the same thing. Use your journal as your highlight reel so that you have a reminder of all the great things that you are doing and you have a a reminder of why your plan is your plan so that you can remember that you have a purpose for what you're doing and that you've worked hard and you've put in the work. Because I am telling you, if you have spent however many months training for a marathon or a half marathon or you've spent four years going to college so that you can be on Broadway, you have some skills. So don't let all that garbage that's going on in your mind hold you back from what your potential is. The next mindset shift, lack of sleep and busyness, being busy, are not badges of honor. This one's a short one. I always remind people that we need seven to nine hours of sleep each night, and it's not a good idea to lose sleep in order to get your morning workout in. And that means that you need to work backwards with a plan to get all of your chores and family routines handled early the night before. If you have a 5 a.m. workout scheduled, you need to be in bed by 9 or 10, not playing on your phone, not watching television. So if you need to get help from your family so you can crawl in bed on time, or you need to develop a different morning routine so that you aren't needing to do quite so many things before your kids get up and you have to start helping them get ready for school or daycare, do it. But it is not a badge of honor to walk around exhausted and say you're tired. It's not good for your health. And especially if you are one of my athletes who are 40 or or older, we need our sleep. You're not going to do anything for your productivity. You're not going to do anything for your physical activity. You're not going to be a world-class runner or even a, it's just not going to help you to skip sleep so that you can make it up all the other activities that you need to. And I think that in addition to sleep, we all need to just consider Are we loading up our plates? Are we really, do we really need to do all of these things that society says we need to do? Do we need to have the Pinterest birthday parties? Do we need to have the perfectly clean house? You know, we all, some of those things are important to some things and not to others. We all have our thing that is important to us, but give yourself a break. You don't have to be perfect. And if perfection is standing in your way of sleep, figure out where you can cut back on some things. Okay, another one that relates to my runners and my athletes. The warm-up is not fluff that we can skip. Warm-ups are smart training. I know this one is so hard to wrap your head around because so many people are skipping their warm-ups or they're like, What are you doing over there in the corner while the rest of us are hardcore pumping iron, whatever. But the warm-up is a necessity, especially as you age. As you age, the type, especially if you're a morning workout person and you are waking up early to go work out after sleeping your seven to nine hours, your body has been in a sleeping position and it probably hasn't moved much. So the type of workout you do first thing in the morning 
is probably a little bit different and you're going to need a warm-up. You might experience more stiffness in your ankles in the morning. Maybe your back and hips hurt more than they did when you were younger. So it's especially important to begin any workout with a dynamic warm-up. That old static stretching that we did that many of us grew up with in PE class, where you hold a stretch that's hold a stretch for a length of time or pop your heel back up to your butt and hold it there for a while. Those are not the kinds of stretches you do first thing in the morning. Those are things you do after you've worked out and your muscles are warm. But you shouldn't just jump right into an activity without a warm-up. So I like to do things like bottoms up, inchworm, do a plank, stand in a plank position and then alternate your legs up to a lunging position and maybe add some rotational movements as a warm-up just to get your body moving and warm and to get rid of some of that tightness that we all have, that we all wake up with. Once the body is warmed up and you're able to move through the proper range of motion to execute your proper, your chosen activity, which usually, you know, I'm talking to runners usually, so then it's safe to start a higher intensity exercise. The next mindset shift. Strength work is part of the plan, not an add-on. If you don't have time for strength, cut out a day a week of your running. But you want to be a strong, injury-free runner, and so you need to take care of your body. And if you don't want to take the extra time to do your strength exercises, come up with a way like we've talked about in some of these other examples to work these exercises into your day. Stand on one foot and work on balance as you brush your teeth. Put a yoga ball or a tennis ball between your heels and turn your feet out like a ballerina and then do calf raises while squeezing that ball between your heels to work on strengthening your feet and your ankles. You could do that while you wash the dishes. Do single leg deadlifts when you change the laundry. Do clamshells and glute bridges when you watch TV. And when that gets too easy, add some bands, some resistance bands to make it more challenging. But we all need this sort of exercises, not just runners. If you want to move well, you need to move. Let's also reframe this one. Let's stop looking at failure as being a bad thing. Let's learn to look at failure as lessons. If you aren't as successful at something as you wanted to be, try to reframe how you think about it. Instead of thinking of yourself as a failure and vowing never to try that activity again, Why not look for the lessons that you learned? What did you do well? What could you have done better? What did you learn? And what changes will you make the next time you attempt that activity? As Albert Einstein said, a person who never made a mistake never tried anything new. So I know this is easier said than done, but don't worry about looking foolish. Don't worry about who will be talking trash about you. Remember that this is your life to live the way you want, and anyone who has anything negative to say is a jerk, and they should probably be worried about their own personal growth instead of worrying about what you're up to. Next, stop comparing yourself to everyone else. As I said, this is your life, and things will happen for you in your own time. I know this is another one that's hard for my runner friends, especially if you're training for big races and are visiting forums and Facebook groups where everyone is sharing their excitement and training tips. It's hard to remember that your own training is on point when you see other people posting about huge mileage. 
And I know from my own point of view, I get uneasy when I see friends posting about their hardcore workouts when I'm over here swimming and cycling and limiting my running days. But guess what? I have learned over time that this, this type of cross-training helps me be stronger. And funny thing, so I mentioned that foot and ankle pain at the beginning of the episode, the pain that I have from the hormone blocker that I have to take. When I add cycling and swimming into my plan, it makes me stronger and it makes it possible for me to run. All of a sudden, when I add that in back into my schedule, my ankle pain and my foot pain goes away. So that maybe isn't a traditional running plan, but it's what works for me. And I train the way my body responds best. And it might look different from other runners, but it works best for me. And so I want you just to consider that when you see people and you're, you're feeling inferior or you're comparing yourself, just remember that we all have different things that work for us and that you, you don't need to follow a set formula. It's all about making your body respond to the training stimulus that you're giving, giving it and, and what makes your body respond in the best way. Another way that I kind of get into this sometimes as is as someone who offers a lot of online fitness programs. It's hard for me when I see another coach who seems to be all over the place, who's offering amazing programs, and sometimes I feel like I'm not doing enough to get out there and be visible so that people would choose me. I mean, I want people to choose me as their coach. And it's so hard to compare ourselves. But when I'm in a more mellow state of mind, it's easier to remind myself that I won't appeal to everyone, and that's okay. That other coach won't appeal to everyone either. And really, the important thing is how I'm treating my own clients. And in the end, it's all about the results and showing my clients that I care. And how I do that is unique to me, and that is something that nobody else can compete compete against because we are all so unique. So I could write a book or give you a training plan And the person sitting next to me could have the same education and the same experiences, but the way we executed that would be completely different. And you would interact with us differently and you might gel with one personality versus the other. And and that's okay because we're unique and the people who would respond to each of us would respond to different things and look for different things. Anyway, I just think it's important to remember that you are unique and your body is unique and that is something that should be celebrated. So don't spend all your energy comparing yourself to other people. And then that brings me to the next mindset shift. Let's learn to be happy for our friends rather than competing. I see this so much in the theater world that my daughters live in. Someone else's success is not a reflection on you. Just because somebody is successful does not mean that you are not successful. But how you react to their success says a lot about who you are. If you are someone's true friend, you will be there to celebrate the big moments in their lives. Next, love the process. This one goes back to pretty much any activity that you spend a lot of time time doing. But this one is straight from my time as a running coach. Even when you have a goal like qualifying for Boston or running the New York Marathon, the process is the most important part. 
the actual race is a blip in your life. It's over in three to six hours, right? But depending on what you are training for, you are spending seven to 20 hours a week running, doing yoga, working on strength. Maybe you're also getting massages and seeing physical therapists and chiropractors. And you're doing this for months and months on end. So you better find a way to enjoy the process, right? Because this is a big chunk of your life. I always want my clients to feel like the time they've spent training is worth it. Do they learn something about themselves? Did they get faster? Did they improve their endurance? Did they make new friends? Whatever makes it worth it is individual and unique. But you, if you are not enjoying the process, is it really worth all the time it takes? So think about enjoying the process and If you aren't enjoying the process, figure out why. Take some time to figure out what you can change because that's important. This, Whatever you're doing, if you're not enjoying the journey, you have to really sit down and ask yourself if it's worth it. And the final shift that I will share today, this one goes for athletes, speakers, actors, anyone whose mind gets taken over by those anxious feelings. Retrain your mind to interpret those nervous feelings as excitement and retrain your mind to interpret those nervous feelings as, okay, I'm ready to go do my thing. So if you're at the start of a race and you're feeling anxious, don't go, oh, I'm so nervous. Think, oh, these are feelings of exciting excitement. These butterflies, that means I'm excited. I'm ready. Think of it as a good nervous energy. And this is something that's easy to catch yourself. You just, just easy to implement because it's easy to catch yourself in that moment and just something you need to be aware of. So when you feel your heart racing, tell yourself that you're excited and remind yourself of all the reasons you have to be excited in that moment. Remind yourself about why you've worked and why you're excited about what's ahead. Another tip for those with anxiety. When you get on a treadmill and your heart starts to race, You know that feeling. It's the same feeling you have when your anxiety starts to get the best of you. So when you're on the treadmill, use that time or when you're exercising and your heart rate gets high, use that time for some mental training and make a point of noticing that feeling and reminding yourself that when you have that feeling, it's not always a situation where you're in trouble, that you are in control of your heart rate. You are in control of how you feel. Get used to that feeling and then learn how to control it. And if you have a smartphone or a smartwatch of some sort, there are all sorts of biofeedback apps that you can download where you can learn how to breathe and calm yourself. And really breathing is one of the great tools there is for just centering yourself and feeling calm again, no matter what that situation is. So I would love to hear what mindset shifts you can relate to, what things you think others need to make, what mindset shifts you think would be helpful. Helpful. What do you see when you're out in the world that you wish people would change their perspective on? Remember to subscribe to the podcast. And if you don't already, um, yeah, just subscribe so that you can be on top of, so you don't miss some of these things I have coming up. I have a whole bunch of incredible women lined up to interview over the next few weeks, and you won't want to miss these interviews. As always, have a great week and join me next time for more ways to power up your performance. 
Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen. I'm Coach Kim Peek of Power of Run, and you can find me at www.crushingmygoals.com or on all social media as at sign power of run. If you liked this episode, be sure to give the podcast some love over on iTunes and remember to subscribe. As a new podcast, your reviews and stars and subscribes will help me grow the audience so that I can share my love of health and fitness and bring more experts to the show. Power up your week and I will catch you next Tuesday.